You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello and welcome into a Monday edition of Crunch Time right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111 as we are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The Saints have welcomed 19 total new players to the organization. LSU broke out the brooms against the SEC West foe. And the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns just could not quite hold on. We'll recap all of that. Plus, we'll get to the NBA playoffs, the golf world, and much more throughout today's Crunch Time. Let's bring in my producer and co-host, Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Monday, sir. How was your weekend? It was pretty good, Matt. How was yours? It was good. It was really good. My brother-in-law got married over the weekend. Uh, We had a great time. And uh, now it's Monday, and back to back to reality, back to work, back to normal stuff. Am I right? Absolutely, absolutely. But it's crazy because there was a lot that went down over the weekend. Not just the NFL draft. There was plenty of college baseball, some Astros, even some USFL news that we got to break down. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's start with the NFL draft. The New Orleans Saints once again, like I mentioned, welcomed. If you count undrafted free agents, they've brought in about 19 new players to the organization. Adam Troutman, however, is no longer a member of the New Orleans Saints. He was dealt on Saturday for the Saints to get an extra draft pick, which they used to select A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest. James Mesh, I know that you are through the moon about that oh man because if you had seen any of our mock drafts where we did full seven round with the saints i was taking at perry and talking about him multiple times in the third round i'm sorry did i just say through the moon i I said through the moon i went through the moon over the moon man I don't even know why you put up with me. But anyways, continue <laughs> continue with your thoughts. So with that, I mean, I was th- I was saying take him in the third round. So the fact that he fell all the way to the sixth round and you ha- and you got rid of a tight end that just wasn't working out for you and you got A.T. Perry in the sixth, that's hella value if you ask me. That is hella value. Troutman was dissatisfied with how he was being used. Sounds like a bunch of baloney. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, if you caught a pass every now and again. And wouldn't commit offensive holding plenty of release. And, 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 and learned how to block because that's part of your job in, in 2022 as a tight end. Maybe you would have been safe and found the field more. Just a thought. Keep that in the back of your head over, over in Denver, bud. You might want to block somebody 
and catch the football. So the Saints made seven draft selections. Let's go through them. We talked a little bit on Friday about Brian Brissee, the defensive tackle out of Clemson. He was their first round selection at 29 overall. Then in the second round Friday night, you take a long-bodied, freakishly fast defensive end in Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame. Uh, Great pick. This is the heir apparent to Cam Jordan. Um, Some called him a reach, which was kind of interesting, but... Maybe ever so slightly. Maybe, but but it's like, once we get to the second round, I mean... Not not anything... People were saying Elante Taylor was a reach last year when you could have got him in like the late third, early fourth. I, I said the exact same thing. I thought that was a dumb pick, and I ate my crow on it. I was going to say, to be to to me, if you get the guy and he works out, if it's a day two or three pick, no matter where it is, I don't care if it works out. Now, I'm a fan of Foskey, but I will say this was not my first choice for the Saints in the second round. I mean, we would have loved to have seen Osiris Torrance come to the Saints. That, he When he was still sitting there at 40, I was like, you got to go get him. And it's funny because I was I was talking with Foot and I was talking with other people in the press box during the Cajuns game on Friday, and it was like we were like, look, it'd be great to get Osiris, but the the chance that the Saints actually take a Louisiana kid, not very high. It's true. They don't it's like true. to take too many LSU or not even LSU, just guys from Louisiana in general. It's they true. don't take too many of them. It's so true. even though Osiris Torrance was there, he ended up falling. To the mid to late fifties to Buffalo, which is a great spot for him. It really is because they really they is. could use another guard. And then in the third round later that night, pick number seventy one. I absolutely love this selection. Kendra Miller, the running back out of TCU, had over a thousand yards this past season. Now here's what I've noticed, and I don't know that I've talked to you about this yet, but the more I thought about it, and the more I looked at it. I think that this selection spells the beginning of the end for Alvin Kamara at New Orleans. Yep. For for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Saints are looking to get younger, and Kamara's almost 30. Right, and then Jamal's in his late... Jamal's in his late 20s. Number two, if you watch a tape of Alvin Kamara and you watch a tape of Kendra Miller... They do a lot of the same things. Right. And you didn't see a whole lot of the pass-catching ability from Kendra Miller at TCU. But that's just because they used him in a different Correct. role. That doesn't mean he... That doesn't mean he can't catch balls out of the backfield. Right, because he had talked about it. And, I mean, he's definitely another guy that reminds you of Alvin Kamara when you watch the tape. He's someone that can that's very patient, will break tackles... Can have some breakaway speed. It's not like elite track runner speed right. like you had seen with Chris Johnson or others. But if you watch his highlights, he'll run. He, he, can, get, he can get away. If he gets if he gets down the middle and he splits the safeties, yep. he's gone. If he gets into the second level, he's going to be hard to bring down, um, which is something that the Saints need. And then the other thing is this. I'm just I'm just going to say, do not be surprised if you know Alvin Kamara gets suspended six to ten games for his Pro Bowl incident in Vegas, don't be surprised if the Saints start start taking offers. They're going to listen to the market. And if somebody says, look, you know, I'll give you this young developmental offensive lineman and a fourth-round pick. 
Or it's like they give you a pretty solid pick in the following draft. It's like, are you? Can you really decline that offer? I don't. I don't. I don't think the Saints are because what Kamara's got two years left on his deal. I want to say there's two years left on that five five years seventy five million dollar deal he signed. So, I mean, you're you're running out of time with Kamara anyway. So I I think as much as I didn't want to admit it, I, I think that pick symbolizes that he's got three years left. Three years left. There's a potential out in 2024. Okay. So, yeah, but not I mean, very likely. So three years left on that deal. The the, the Saints are going to start looking to move on at that point. So you maybe have Kamara for 2023, but the offseason between 2023 and 2024, next offseason. Right. Depending on how everything goes, if Kendry starts to really have more of a role in that offense. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Kamara finds his way out of New Orleans. And then you go to Saturday. And Saturday is where Mickey Loomis said, okay, I've stayed where Time I was to supposed to. I've stayed where I was supposed to for one day too long. It's time to make some trades. And before the draft even started, he moved up to the first pick in the fourth round. I'm literally so I'm I am master procrastinator. I didn't go I, I told you I had to go to a wedding Saturday night, right? Yes. I didn't buy the shirt that I wore to that wedding until Saturday morning. So I'm driving from the store in which I purchased the shirt at to downtown for Festival International. And I get a text on my phone saying, Saints making moves already. And so I pull up Twitter and they have the first pick of the fourth round. Wow. Okay. And then I I look and they didn't give up a whole lot to get said pick. Okay, cool. And then you picked a versatile tight end, or not tight end, offensive lineman that's had experience playing tackle, can very easily play guard. And he's also had some experience at center. Saldaveri is fantastic. So it's like, and he he did pretty well at Old Dominion. He's one of the better guys in in that conference. Yeah. Saldaveri was one of the best offensive linemen in the Sun Belt. He's... He's fantastic, and he's a really good pick for the Saints. He's going to fill a lot of needs because here's the thing. You can play him at tackle. You can play him at guard. You can play him at center. It's like if Eric McCoy goes down, you can put him at center and just Just say, like, Caesar, stay at guard. Stay. I I think. Do not move. I think the Saints need to leave Caesar at guard this year anyway because they declined his fifth-year option, so now it's a prove to me that you're worth – Another contract. Exactly. Oof. Anyways. And then the Saints traded back into the fourth round. <laughs> and you and I were together at this point because we were volunteering at Festival International. And we looked at each other and was like, what are the Saints trying to do here? Where are they going to go? Is there a receiver that they like? I, or... was like? I was like, is this the time for A.T. Perry? You actually did ask me that. <laughs> like, are we getting A.T. Perry here in the fourth round? Drafted Jake Hayner. Which you initially were like... Oh, I initially hated it. You were like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are we doing? And then we had talked about it, and then the more you thought about it, you're like, okay, he was like the sixth quarterback ranked in this whole draft, right behind Hinn and Hooker. Looked really good. He had comps to Drew Brees by some people on how, Twitter with the same measurables. How do you lose? Right. It's a low-risk, high-reward. because you, you can't lose. Because he practically played in kind of a... 
pro-ish style offense. Absolutely. They use like pretty nice concepts when it comes to the passing game. And when you watched him, he balled out a lot of times. Absolutely. He doesn't have the greatest arm in the world, but he has amazing touch. He has nice accuracy. He makes good decisions with the football. And if he needs to roll out, he can do that athletically. And then he posted the picture from when he was a kid right? wearing the Deuce McAllister jersey. And I said, oh, my God, I love Jake Hayner. This is great. The Saints beanie. Oh, dude, it's like awesome. Love that guy. In the fifth round, this was a pick that some people questioned, but I am a fan. Jordan Howden, the defensive back out of Minnesota in the fifth round. This guy played 58 career games at Minnesota, and he started 49 of them. So he was readily available. Trusted by his coaches because he only he only failed to start in nine games in his college career. Made great decisions on the football field. Plays special teams. And, oh yeah, James, do you know what most people are comping him to? C.J. Gardner-Johnson. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, because he played a lot in that slot, so... Say like Lonnie Johnson or Bradley Roby just isn't working out and you're looking at camp or if you're in preseason, you're like, wow, Jalen Howden's looking pretty good. You could see him potentially yep. be in that slot corner position. And I'd be A-OK with that. Or, then, the, or the nickel. And then, of course, A.T. Perry in the sixth mm-hmm. round. Mm-hmm. But the, the best the, value pick you could have gotten. <laughs> that, that might be the steal of the draft right there. A third-round receiver and you got him in the sixth? You know how much less money, and, and, and I know that sounds horrible, but from a business <laughs> side of things, do you know how much less money you're going to have to pay the guy? It's great. It's absolutely incredible for New Orleans. And comps to Marcus Colston? I, I hate draft season because it creates such a unfair expectation. Right, because you, you'll see people comp players in the draft to guys that are either, either like legends in the game itself Future or for Hall of Famers or, or just really good really good players that maybe aren't good enough to be in the Hall of Famer at least right away but still right. someone that made their name and you're like wow this defensive ends being comp to JJ Watt oh my god did you just get JJ Watt in the fourth round right right <laughs> and and now you look at it like okay well they have AT Perry Michael Thomas Chris Olave Derek Carr's the quarterback, Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller, Alvin Kamara. Oh my God, this offense is going to be incredible. <laughs> and then when they go 7-10 and 10 again, you're going to be like, what the hell happened? That's why I don't like draft season. Because it just creates such an unfair expectation, not only for the individual player, but for the team as a whole. It's just, I, I, I get too high on the teams that I like. And then when they don't deliver. It's because it's such a, it's because it's a ball of potential and you're like what this could be right and it's not always what it ends up being but it's just the fact that this is a young cat that has the potential to be marcus colston right to be jj watt to be like another guy that became a really good talent in the league zach streif zach streif (laughs) ryan ramchak oh i mean 
417, almost 418 on your Monday. 430, Zach Nagy from LSU Country. He's going to join us. We'll talk about LSU breaking out the brooms against Alabama. And then at 530, Brett Chancey, host of Locked On Astros. He's going to join us live from Minute Maid Park as the Astros get set for their contest tonight at 710. All that and much more coming up on today's edition of Crunch Time right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're a little low on cash, don't worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com has you covered. As a member of our awards club, you can score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Go sign up today. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 422 on your Monday. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios. Call us on the game hotline 337-706-0111. We spent the first segment talking about the Saints draft, who they got, what fans can expect. Now let's hear from them. Brian Brissy, who was picked 29th overall by the New Orleans Saints, was asked, what kind of player are the Saints getting? Yeah, you know, uh, an athletic, uh, disruptive defensive tackle who's going to come in and, and work hard every single day, uh, you know, come in and, and do everything he needs to, to to earn the respect of, you know, the players and, and the coaches on the team already um, and, and just leave it all out there. For For a guy that has really gone through so much from injuries and losing his sister to cancer, at the beginning of the season last year, just absolute fantastic story for Brian Brissy coming to New Orleans. You know, you look at a guy like Isaiah Foskey, and I talked about him being the heir apparent for Cam Jordan. Well, what can you learn from number 94? I feel like I can learn from him. I feel like just pass for his arsenal, like, I'm not Cam Jordan. I'm not him, but I can learn through him and see what he can do. He can teach me moves that he seen like my type of body, what I can do going through practice, just trying to learn from him, my passers type of arsenal, my go-to moves. I know my go-to move is, it might be different in NFL. So I pretty much just want to learn from him. And he talks about the pass rush moves, but I kind of looked at his highlights and some of his tape. He already looks like he's a pretty good pass rusher, which you can always improve on that. But I'm almost wondering, should he learn more from Cam about run stoppage? Because he had some nice clips where he would stop the run for like a one or no yard gain or maybe get a tackle for a loss on the running back. But what I've seen from him, he's already looking pretty solid. He's got the nice size to him, but he's got some speed to him. And he has some nice moves already. So he can always learn from that 
from Cam, but I'm almost wondering, should he learn a little bit more about stopping the run from Cam? Because Cam is one of those guys that's one of the best in the game that we've seen in a while at stopping the run. Speaking of the run, Kendra Miller, the new running back for the New Orleans Saints, we, we talked about this earlier about how we, you haven't seen a whole lot of catching out of the backfield from him. Uh, he, he says that his pass catching is underrated. Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, you know, uh, with Max and, and our offense, you know, I, I, I really feel like my, my receiving bill is, you know, very underrated. But, like, with the Saints offense, they throw to the back a lot, especially with Alvin. So, like, I, I'll be, you know, a great fit for the offense. Music to my ears. Music to my ears. Now, some people have asked the question, okay, you drafted Kendra Miller. You clearly had plans to draft a quarterback. Why didn't you take Max Duggan? But instead, you end up with Jake Hayner, who, look, if you watch the tape, you're going to be just fine with the pick. And a lot of people have comped him, like we mentioned earlier, to first ballot Hall of Famer Drew Brees. What'd you learn from Drew? Or what can Drew teach you in New Orleans? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Drew and, and, and him kind of telling us was always know where your outlets are and try to do everything you can to avoid negative plays at this level. Uh, negative plays kill drives, kill momentum. Uh, so Drew really made it you know, a priority to always know where his outlets are every snap and do everything you can to avoid negative plays. And that's such a true statement because you see one sack on like second down or even a first down sack that'll put you like second and 16. That puts you really behind on a drive because even though the rules pertain towards the offense nowadays, it's still really difficult to get into a rhythm, especially when you fall back early on in the downs on the drive. So if you're going to second and long, third and long where you're beyond 10 yards, it's really tough to be able to make anything out of that drive and even try and get any points out of it. So the fact that he learned that from Drew to be like, you need to know where your outlets are, where to dump it off when need be to make sure you avoid those sacks. When you avoid the interceptions, you take in a two-yard loss instead of maybe a three-yard gain. That, that could be the difference in a drive of you either getting no points or getting at least some points. Now, one thing that, that's going to be interesting to, to see is on the defensive side, we brought up Jordan Howden and what he could maybe bring to the table. He talks about his versatility as a, a defensive back, whether it be a safety, a corner, a slot corner. He says he can do it all. Um, I feel like, like I said, um, like playing at Minnesota, uh, I bounced around at different positions and, um, you know, with that being said, it was uh, it was actually at first, you know, you're like, okay, why do I keep moving positions? But at back of the head, they just know I can be able to play at different positions or just I put me in the best spot that we needed for our defense. And for me to be versatile like that um, just gives me, you know, upper hand and just know that people can just rely on me on any space on the on the field. So, James, what would you grade the Saints draft? If I had to give it initial knee-jerk reaction, you got you addressed your defensive line twice in the first two rounds. You got a eventual replacement running back in the third. 
You took a low-risk, high-reward QB in the fourth. You got a nice offensive lineman for depth purposes and could potentially be a starter in the future as well, depending on how everything goes. You also got another defensive back that could work out for you. And then you got a wide receiver that had a third-round grade that you got in the sixth round. And you moved on from a tight end that wasn't working out for you. Initially, I would have to give it a B, B plus. Okay. I'm going to say a B um, because, don't get me wrong, I'm impressed and there were things that the Saints did well. And you addressed a lot of positions. But there's pieces that I feel like you could have done even better. Um, but, you know, that that's just knee-jerk reaction. Obviously, we have to see how these guys are going to play out in New Orleans. Who would you say had the best draft? I'll give you my answer. The Philadelphia Eagles. It's kind of hard to pick against the Philadelphia Eagles. Or at this point, the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Right. It, that, it's Because not only did they draft multiple Georgia Bulldogs in Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith Jr. in the first round, but then in day three, they also got another Georgia Bulldog running back from Detroit and DeAndre Swift to go along with Rashad Penny in that backfield. You, oh, my God. You drafted Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Tyler Steen, who's an offensive tackle out of Alabama. Yep, could replace uh, Lane Johnson. A defensive back out of Illinois. Keely Ringo out of Georgia. Tanner McKee out of Stanford. And, like you mentioned, traded for DeAndre Swift. Wow. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that the Eagles would be the favorite for the Super Bowl if the season started today. I think that would be a fair assumption. They made it to the Super Bowl last year, and from the looks of it, their roster only got better. So, be interesting to see how that plays out. Before 31, we'll go ahead and take a timeout here. When we return, Zach Nagy of LSU Country is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts on LSU baseball, a couple of new changes to the football team, and much more right here on the game. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back, 435, almost 436. Real quickly, before we get to Zach Nagy, can I just share this little piece of information? The Philadelphia Phillies just came off of a series with the Houston Astros. The Astros picking up a win last night over the Phillies. It was announced today that Bryce Harper would be returning to the Phillies lineup tomorrow, which is 160 days from the date that he had Tommy John surgery. James, if it is true, and he is the designated hitter for the Phillies tomorrow night, this would be the fastest recovery from Tommy John surgery in the history of the MLB. No players come back this quickly. Now, granted, he won't be fielding and throwing and doing all that. He's just going to be swinging a bat. But back in action, 160 days, five months after Tommy John surgery. That is insane. But anyways, 
Zach Nagy of LSU Country joins us on the game hotline. We'll talk about the NFL draft and his thoughts on LSU sweeping Alabama. Zach, appreciate you taking the time, man. How are you? Of course, fellas. How's it going? Doing well. So let's start with the draft. B.J. Ojolari, Kayshawn Booty, Jay Ward, and Anthony Bradford were, were the four Tigers selected in, in the NFL draft. What were your thoughts on each move by the by the appropriate NFL teams, and which one do you think ended up in the best scenario? I think kind of just like to start off first, you, you got to talk about Kayshawn Booty. Um, it's the, it was the headliner, of course. Obviously, Ojolari went first off the board uh, for the Tigers, but Kayshawn Booty's the, the headliner right there. Going to the New England Patriots in the sixth round, I, I like that spot for him. It's hard, it's hard not to argue that. It, it's a great spot. Bill Belichick was at LSU's Pro Day last month. You know, great fit. They know how to utilize their, their speedsters in open space, and it's precisely what, you know, Kayshawn Booty does best. It's it's his specialty. So to get into that system and, and make that move and get, get picked up by that team is an excellent spot. Going to B.J. Ojolari next, you know, first Tiger off the board, second round, 41st overall. Great spot going to Arizona. He's coming off of a big-time year for the Tigers, all-SEC performer, just a dominant season. And, you know, coming into the year, everybody knew he was going to dominate, and he did exactly what was expected of him. And here he is getting picked in the second round. Great spot, great spot. And then, you know, your final guys, you have Anthony Bradford going up north to the Seattle Seahawks. Again, he proved his versatility. He can play tackle. He can play guard. Probably he's going to play guard at the next level for the most part. But, you know, another another just great spot. And then your final two guys, uh, well, actually it's really three, but we'll talk about Jay Ward uh, going to the Minnesota Vikings along with Jack, Jacqueline Roy. Great spots for both of them. So, you know, you have, you have six Tigers total. Final one's Jarek Bernard Converse who went to the Jets. But six guys got drafted. And it's great spots for all of them. They all have spots to try to make the roster. Now, con- continuing on that conversation, do you think, going back to Kayshawn Booty, do you think that if he would have decided to stay with LSU for another season, do you think that he could have bettered his draft position or was the risk maybe a little too great to return for a senior season? I think just based off of a production standpoint, if he would have come back, his numbers could have done a little bit better. I feel like that's what everybody in the building would have said as well. Obviously, it was a tricky situation considering he declared for the draft and then, or I'm sorry, he said he was going to come back to school and then opted to go back uh, into the draft. So it was kind of just a sticky situation, just extremely odd. But yeah, I mean, I think if he would have come back, he would have had the chance to boost his draft stock even greater. A second year with Jaden Daniels, Back in his second season with offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock, definitely would have boosted his stock a little bit more. It was a interesting decision to elect to stay in the draft, but he did what he did and he got picked up and kind of just move on from there. Now going to LSU baseball, a three-game sweep of Alabama this weekend after falling to Nichols in the midweek. Let's start with Friday's game. You jumped out to a four-nothing lead. At one point, it was eight to two. And then you let a good offensive team kind of come back in, and and you finally held on to win it, eight to six. What were your thoughts on game one Friday night? Paul Skeen's masterclass once again. You know you you're, you're you know what you're going to get from him night in and night out. Giving up a handful of hits and one run is it, it, it's honestly a, you could say a challenging performance for him. It wasn't his best showing on the mound, but got the job done. You got to see your offensive firepower dominate. You got it to a big league lead. You maintained it. 
Obviously, you gave up a couple of hits here and there from the bullpen. They struggled, and it's been a it's been a sore for this team this season. But at the end of the day, they got the job done, handled business, and it's nothing against Alabama. I mean, that that's a talented offensive team. Mm-hmm. Jay Johnson was talking about how they have a handful of big leaguers on that team, and they showed out. They they can get it done at the plate, and they did just that on Friday. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say gave them a scare late, but I mean they. They, they proved that they can hit the ball with the best of them, and, and they did just that on Friday night. And then, you know, we'll go to Saturday, a 12-8 to win in a game where Ty Floyd kind of struggled a, a little bit here and there, uh, but LSU's offense was really able to come through for him, scoring three in the third, four in the sixth, and then three more in the eighth to seal the deal. 12-8, to eight, a Jared Jones home run, the big three-run shot from Hayden Travinsky. Tommy White had a three-run homer as, as well. Uh, give me your thoughts on Saturday's game. Hayden Travinsky's emerged as just this clutch, big-time hitter over the last you know couple of weeks. He's come up in a big way, showed out when you need him to, and like I said, just, just that clutch ability of him has just helped this team soar. And you know, going back to the pitching aspect of things Friday night was tough for this program and then to bounce back on Saturday and you know put six seven guys on the mound and all of them do their job and handle business was something extremely pleasing to see you know what you're going to get from the plate from this team it it, it's just the all five offensive firepower is just sheer dominance but to have your bullpen step up in a time like that was just just monstrous you had Javen Coleman come in and he's coming back from you know Tommy John surgery you know, a couple of weeks ago, so he's just kind of getting his feet wet on the mound once again. And for him to come in and get like five or six strikeouts was just extremely pleasing to see for this program as the regular season kind of winds down. So your bullpen's starting to get into a groove, and to have Javen Coleman, you know, start to hit his stride late is, is extremely promising. He did just that on Saturday. And then yesterday's game, the 13-11 to win, really just another back-and-forth contest between two really good offensive teams LSU was able to walk in a couple of runs they benefited from that huge sixth run inning after after falling behind seven to three Uh, you know one thing I've noticed with LSU is their ability that when they fall down in games they never stay down long and that mentality of always answering the bell it's going to pay dividends for them as you head into late May and early June no deficit is too large for this team. They they can come back from any any number. It it certainly does not matter. Your your lineup one through nine, every single one of them can get a hit when you need them to. You even saw, you know, catcher Alex Malazzo kind of get into a groove and get that RBI single to give the Tigers their first lead of the or their final lead of the day yesterday, and you know put them over the top. And the rest was history after a couple of home runs from Jordan Thompson and Paxton Kling. But you know you're seeing this lineup hit their stride. And again, I'll repeat, no deficit is too large. They, they can do anything they need. And to be down by four runs and battle back in back-to-back games was just extremely exciting to see considering this team is getting ready to enter the postseason where the aspirations are going to be title or bust. And, you know, they're proving that they can hang with the best of them. They're killing SEC competition right now, back-to-back sweeps. And to, to have it going this well late in the season is extremely exciting to see. Chatting with Zach Nagy of LSU Country. What are your thoughts on Dylan Cruz? I mean, I know, I feel like every time we, we talk to somebody that, that covers 
LSU, it's the same thing. You know, he's the best player in the country. He's going to be the number one overall pick. He was just named the SEC Player of the Week for the third time this season. Leads the country in batting average with a 490 clip. I mean, what can't Dylan Cruz do on a baseball field? He can do it all. He is a generational talent. Head coach Jay Johnson will tell you that on a, on a day-to-day basis. It's always don't take what Dylan Cruz is doing for granted because you don't know if you'll be able to see something like that ever again at the college level. Um, he is spectacular. Every time he's going up to the plate, you just you just think he's going to hit a rocket or at least get an extra base hit. So for him to be able to do what he's doing is just extraordinary. Bet like 545 against Alabama, two homers, eight RBI on the weekend. It's, it's spectacular what, what Dylan is doing. And, you know, they're going to need him and Tommy White, that lethal one-two punch to come alive towards the end of the season and carry that, obviously, once again into the postseason. But sticking on Dylan Cruz solely, special, special player, and it doesn't stop. And it's only going to get greater as the season winds down. Let's talk about Haley Van Lith now, the the Louisville women's basketball star that just transferred into LSU. You look at this lineup, and you had Flage Johnson coming back. Angel Reese is obviously back for another year. You bring in players like Michaela Williams and Alea Del Rosario, and and you look at it and you say, man, the sky's the limit for this team. And then you add Haley Van Lith. Just how much better did this team get heading into the 2023-2024 season? It's almost hard to put into words just quite how large that addition of Haley Van Lith is. All-American honorable mention, all-ACC player, 20-point-per-game scorer, an absolute monster, tenacious player on the floor. She, she's she's special, and you obviously lost Alexis Morris to the WNBA draft, a 15 point per game scorer, a floor general, and then you just come in and replace that with Haley Van Lith. It's it's remarkable what Kim Mulkey and this recruiting staff is capable of, and to bring in a player of Haley Van Lith is truly program changing. It's back to back years where this program's brought in the number one impact transfer, Angel Reese a year ago, Haley Van Lith now. They're, they're doing some things on the recruiting trail that are just absolutely alarming. You're bringing in the number one 2023 recruiting class on top of Haley Van Lith. Michaela Williams is the number two player in the country. Aaliyah Del Rosario, the number seven player in the country. And then you have a couple of other four stars coming along with them over the summer. So what they're doing is just absolutely incredible. And they're still working. They're not done. They just hosted the, arguably the number one, number two transfer in the portal, Anisha Morrow. She was in town for a visit over the weekend. She's headed to South Carolina this weekend to take her final visit before she makes a decision. But Anisha Mora was in town, and the visit looked like it went spectacular. So you have her probably going to choose between South Carolina and LSU. But to have her on campus as well, regardless of what decision she makes, is proving that Mulkey and this recruiting staff is swinging for the fences and looking to add every possible star that they can. Haley Van Lith is just the start of what they're doing in Baton Rouge. It's absolutely insane to see what Kim Mulkey's been able to do in just two years here in, in Baton Rouge. Zach Nagy of LSU Country joining us here via the game hotline. Zach, really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the week, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, fellas. Let's do it again. And there he goes, Zach Nagy of LSU Country. 448. We'll take a timeout when we return We'll talk about the top stories in sports, NBA playoffs, the PGA Tour, the NHL playoffs, the President's Trophy 
curse lives on in the NHL. We'll do that next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you haven't seen the defending World Series champs in person yet, well, not to worry. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with an Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland A's on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We're wrapping up our number one in the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. What are your thoughts on how the Saints did in the draft this year? Do you think it was good? Thought maybe it was solid? Wasn't bad or don't care about don't care because it's New Orleans breaker season. Go USFL. Am I right, Matt? Woo! <laughs> there it is. There it is. Leading the way, it was solid when it comes to the votes. 50%, then a third of it's going towards it was good. 10% says it was bad. And then the other six are saying don't care because it's breaker season. Speaking of the USFL, though, got to send a quick shout-out to former Turlings quarterback Cole Kelly making his first USFL start yesterday for the Memphis Showboats. You got to love when a when a former Acadiana product makes it big like that. Uh, obviously, Walter Payton, award winner at Southeastern, had a great career, started in Arkansas, moved to Southeastern, had a great career with the Lions, and now is playing professional football. So you can't knock it. Good for Cole. Um, always, It's always been a great story. But James, real quickly, looking at the NBA playoffs, game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals are tonight. The Philadelphia 76ers and your Boston Celtics. Boston's a nine and a half point favorite tonight. Does that concern you? Not necessarily. The answer should be yes. I say not necessarily. A big part of them being nine-point favorites is because Joel Embiid is doubtful. So the likelihood that he's going to play tonight, not that high, so you feel even better about the Celtics' chances, especially that, since it's in the garden. That cat's averaging 33 points per game. Oh, yeah. Averaging 33, oh. shooting 55%. Perfect timing. Woj bomb has been ruled out. He has been ruled out. Shout out to the Woj bomb. Oh, that, was, that was my bomb sound. That was a good bomb sound. That wasn't bad. So now, now the nine and a half shouldn't concern you. <laughs> right. Now you're good. I'm good now. You're good. Um, do the Celtics win this series? And if so, what is your prediction and how many games? 
I say the Celtics win it in seven. Oh, you think it goes seven? I think it goes seven because I think it, I think eventually Celtics take the early lead tonight. They maybe go up 2-0. It kind of just depends on what Joel is looking like. But once he comes back, I think that the Sixers start to make a comeback. They tie it up within four games in, so we're at 2-2. And then we get back to the God and then game seven and the, I, and the Celtics win it. I was going to give you one better. I was going to say the Celtics won it in six. Well, the Celtics should have won it in four against uh, the Hawks. But That's fair. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have both teams steal one game at home. From each other. Yeah, from each other. Like Sixers win game two, Celtics win game four. You would say? Well, the, the thought that I had was that the Celtics would be up 3-1 oh. after four. Okay. And then... The Sixers would win Game Five in Boston, mm-hmm. win it three two, and then win and then it. Philly would win. I mean, Boston would win Game Six in Philly, so Boston would end up winning two games on the road, mm. and they win the series in six. Now look, if they won it in six, I'm not complaining. Well, I would I would hope not, but I think it's I think it's going to be another seven series because because of how well Joel's been playing. I like Rob. I like Al. Yeah, but how but healthy the- is he going to be? That's the thing. That is the thing. If he's not healthy and he's not going to be at a hundred percent, that's why. But that's why you still have him not play early on the series. That way, you can make a big comeback toward the end. That series is going to be fun. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to talk Cajuns baseball. We're going to talk some Houston Astros as they host the Giants tonight for Space City Monday. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, the game hotline is 337-706-0111 as we are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. In hour number one, we talked about the Saints draft. We talked about LSU baseball, and we got to the NBA playoffs here in hour number two. We're going to touch on the NFL. We're going to touch on the NHL. We're going to touch on the PGA Tour. We're going to talk to Astros with our guy Brett Chancy, a.k.a. H-Town Wheelhouse. But right now, let's talk about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who hosted number 6 Coastal Carolina over the weekend. And this was a prime opportunity for you to make some noise and move up in the RPI ranks. And also, however unlikely it would have been, a series sweep... Would have tied you in the Sunbelt Conference. Friday night, things start off really well. Cajuns hang on to win the game 11-9. You get a win on Friday night in a big series. It's huge. Huge win. Saturday, back and forth affair early on. It's 5-4 headed into the seventh inning. And that's when things absolutely fell apart for the Raging Cajuns. They gave up seven runs in the top of the seventh, could only get one run back as they fell 13-5 to in that contest. 
a solo shot and a grand slam coming in that seventh inning from the Chanticleers. And then yesterday, early morning rubber match, people were complaining about the crowd. Oh, there wasn't a whole lot of people there. People didn't show up to support the team. It's 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. James Mesh, where is everybody that lives in a predominantly Catholic town at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning? Well, for me, since I don't wake up that early, at 10 a.m., I was still getting ready for church at 10.30. So so even at 10.30? I was still getting ready. You were at church. Right. Exactly. That's where everybody was. And if they weren't at church... There's an event that happens once a year in this town. It's called Festival International. If they weren't at church, they were probably there. It's typically why the Cajuns don't play at home on Festival Weekend. Typically, they schedule a road series that weekend. So why they were home, I'm not really sure. But you've had probably one of the best baseball games I've ever watched. It was back and forth with good pitching, good hitting, just great baseball. But there were some questionable decisions made. Heath Hood got sent for a steal in the eighth inning that got he got thrown out on. That probably could have changed the game. And what it, what it did was it, it kind of stunted momentum that you had because Heath Hood was on second base with your best hitter up and Connor Hicks, your best hitter as of late. And you had the opportunity, look, you know, a base hit scores the run and makes it a a 3-1 to one game. And, and now you're feeling a lot better about yourself with that insurance run. But then you don't get it. And then in the ninth, it's 2-1 to one and... You say, okay, you need three more outs to win the series against the sixth-ranked team in the country. And you very quickly get two of them. And you, now you're feeling really good about yourself, right? Right? And then Coastal's best hitter of the entire series comes up in Nick Lucky. James, I'm just going to throw a situation out at you. Two outs, top of the ninth. Nobody's on base. A guy that has already gotten two home runs on you on the weekend steps up. What would you do? I'd probably walk him. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Walk him. Because here's the thing, and 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 I know, and I know what people are thinking. Well, Matt, what if the next guy would have hit a home run? Then 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 they take the lead on you in the ninth. Well, then they deserve to win. If that's the case, if, if the second guy behind him hits the home run, then you just didn't deserve to win the game. And that's okay. That's baseball. But if you've got a guy that you absolutely know has already thrashed you this weekend, and you've got the opportunity, you have three bases that you can put him on, walk him! Walk him. You want to know why I say walk him? 
because the guy behind him went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. I'd have taken my chances. And at that point, you're desperate, and you're swinging at everything. Oh, and, and, and what happened to the next guy after they tied up the second pitch of the at-bat pop up to the shortstop? Yellow! I'm just... And look, I'm not claiming to be smarter than a college baseball coach. I know that I'm not. There's a reason that Matt Deggs makes the amount of money that he makes. But it's... You you have to sit here and realize how critical a series win against Coastal Carolina would have been for your entire season. Not just for this weekend or or for the next week and a half or or whatever. For the entire four months that you've been on the diamond. This series would have completely catapulted you back into what I would think it puts you back into the conversation of potentially being an at-large team. Kiss that goodbye. But you know what's wild? Is if you look at the Sunbelt standings today, 1 through 11 is an absolute logjam. Like, James, I, I, I want this to register. Not just to you, but to anybody that's listening. Louisiana could play in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in three weeks as the number two seed. But they could also miss the tournament entirely. What? That's wild. How could you be the two seed, get a double bye into the weekend, or be at your house? You do that by doing what you did against Coastal. You keep giving up runs late. That's the big issue. Was you had leads early on. You were putting the pressure on Coastal, but you let them back in the game. Because even when you were up 11-5 to at the top of the ninth on Friday when I covered that game, you gave up a run. I would have been like, it's 11-6, it's fine. But then you saw the three-run homer at the end. It was still with two outs, so you still felt pretty good. But you kind of got a little nervousness in your stomach like, well, now it's a two-run game, so it's like, if another guy gets on base and then they hit another home run, now it's a tie ball game, and then you're going to go to extra innings like you saw on Sunday. The Cajuns are tied for 20th in the country in hit batters. The Louisiana pitching staff has hit 73 batters this season. That's not very good. The free passes, and Matt Deggs preaches this all the time, the free passes have got to go away. Because now what you've done is you've put yourself in the exact same situation that last year's team was in. You backed yourself into a corner, and you're going to have to scratch and claw and dig to get out. You have to win the conference tournament now to see the postseason. 
And that's not going to be easy to do. Because you're going to run into teams like Coastal. You're going to run into teams like Southern Miss. You're going to run into teams like Texas State. Now, I know I sound very negative with three weeks left of the regular season. You still have the opportunity to play Texas State at home, might I add. You still have a three-game series with Southern Miss. So there's still an opportunity for you to make it better on yourself. But I think the point remains that you have to win the conference tournament. So right now, if I'm Mad Degs and the Cajuns, I think the goal is to hang around in that top six of the conference, get a bye, have one less game to worry about, and then get your pitch in together. Because that's what's going to kill you. It's not the offense. Now, are there days where the offense doesn't show up? Sure, but that's just baseball. The Cajuns' offense is good. They're third in the country and sold the bases. They put guys on base, they move guys over, they manufacture runs. Your pitching has to be better. What, what, what do they say? Offenses score runs, but pitching wins you a title. If you don't have pitching, you're not going to win a championship. Which is why I'm slowly starting to have reservations about LSU. But that's a, that's a conversation for another place in time. Matt Deggs talked about the series following the loss yesterday, and, and he gave his thoughts on the brutal loss to the Chanticleers. Very, very uh, humbling game, man. She'll love you and leave you, I promise you that. And, and uh, you know, that's why you can't get too hung up on numbers or stats or anything like that, because just as soon as you think you got it, you don't. And uh, I... I'm just sick to my stomach for these boys because I felt like since Wednesday night they've played their butts off. And uh, Tuesday, not so much, but Wednesday, uh, Friday, Saturday, uh, and then today, you know, if you look at this series, it's a butt whooping, another butt whooping, and then a game that is just in the balance. And guys, uh, two really good teams going at it. And, uh, you know, we had our we had our moments, and uh, bases loaded, no outs, and we're coming away with one. Uh, but pitching and defense were stellar, and uh, just amazing the job that Christie did and Marsh. Uh, you know, to to hold it right there, it's just it hurts because it's the second weekend in a row we've had a game one with two outs and, and a strike on the hitter and give up. You know, today is a, a pop fly into that northwest wind, but. Uh, you know, we're being forged right now, and the lesson is the forging is in toughness and how you handle adversity. And, you know, adversity doesn't make you a man. It just reveals where you're at. Now, the Cajuns have the the week off before they travel to ULM this weekend for a three-game set. You got to sweep. You got to sweep ULM. ULM gave up 35. Yeah, that's right. 35 runs in a game this past weekend. Weekend before, they gave up 25 runs in a single game. James, that's bad. That's football scores. You have to sweep ULM. If you drop one game to ULM, you're in bigger trouble than I even think right now. You can't. 
You have to sweep them, and you have to sweep them handedly. Also, we are talking about the Saints earlier. One thing I've got to point out. The Saints have a tradition now that they've started where they have a crawfish boil the Saturday of the NFL draft. Fans, guys off the street, anybody willing to pay the entrance fee can go, right? Get some crawfish, get to listen to some players talk. You know, it's a great time. There was a video that surfaced, James, of Jamal Williams, the new Saints running back, trying crawfish for the first time. Now, look, beforehand with that, he had talked about his opening press conference, his introductory press conference, and he was saying like he can't like look at the crawfish while he peels them. Correct. And so he 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 mentioned that again. He he's sitting there, yeah, just looking away, which is a hell of a strat. Which I've kind of had to adjust to that as well because so often, like the juice will squirt in my eye. I'm like, well, there goes you, there goes that big, for the next five. You big baby. The, the the juice in the eye is a rite of passage. Makes you a Cajun. But anyways. <laughs> but it never goes without fail that it, oh, it oh, happens every time. For sure. For sure. It's like I'm so having to Jamal Williams up. takes the crawfish tail and he eats it. Mm-hmm. No dip. Right. No nothing. Plain. And he responds with, can I get some barbecue sauce? <laughs> Call cat. You serious? Barbecue sauce. Now, look, I know people around the New Orleans area, they're not big on putting sauce on crawfish, and I totally get that. Sometimes if I don't feel like making the they, sauce or there's none nearby, I have no problem doing it. They literally sell a seafood dip. If you wanted to dip it in something, dip it in crawfish dip, not barbecue, barbecue sauce. sauce. And I love me some barbecue sauce. But right. Barbecue sauce goes on a lot of things. It does not go on crawfish. It does not. Actually, it might. I don't know. I've never tried it. No. So I can't say that it doesn't. I'm never going to try. I'm already simulating it in on my taste buds. Okay. It's a no-go. Three things. Which are, what are worse? What's worse? Okay. Barbecue sauce on your crawfish. <laughs> Mayo in your coffee. <laughs> Or ketchup on your steak. Oh, or cheese in your red beans and rice. Shout out five names. There it is. Uh, I'd probably have to go with the mayo and the coffee. Ugh. You, did you, did you pro- see the Did you see the video of him making it at the draft? Yeah. Oh. Well, gross. Or he got like the ready whip. Gross. Yeah. Oh my god. Disgusting. Anyways. 519, we'll take a timeout here when we return. We'll talk NHL hockey. We're talking about the Warriors. We made fun of the Warriors for years for blowing a 3-1 lead in the playoffs. Boston Bruins, it's your turn right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? 
Well, if you are, the Game 1037 Lafayette on 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a brand new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and much more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 523. You know, we look at the NHL really quickly. It's so funny to learn about the president's trophy. If you're not familiar, the President's Trophy is the award that goes to the NHL team with the best record. Because the way it works in hockey is if you win a game, you get two points. If you go to overtime, each team gets a point, and you have a number of points based on what your record is. team with the most points gets the President's Trophy. Well, the last couple of years, it's worked out where the President's Trophy has kind of been a curse. Similar to what it used to be when you got put on the cover of Madden. You always suffered some kind of tragic injury or had a horrible season the year after. Well, the Boston Bruins made sure that the President's Trophy curse continued. James, at this time last Sunday, the Boston Bruins were up three games to one in the series over the Florida Panthers. And then they proceeded to suffer two losses by the score of 4-3 to three in overtime and a 7-5 to five loss in Game 6. Last night, falling in Game 7, like I just mentioned, 4-3 to three in overtime to fall to Florida in seven games. Now, we've made fun of the Warriors for years for losing 3-1. to one. It is now the Bruins' turn. And I know you're a Boston sports fan just in general. So, and, and I know you're not a hockey guy, so don't take this too seriously. I was going to say, this isn't heartbreaking but for me. I'm going to rub it in with ha, 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 ha. That felt good. That felt really good. I was going to say, you're a giant man child. I'm a giant man child. That is very fair. Um, <laughs> I mean, what what else do you say about a team that had the best record in the NHL, had a 3-1 to lead in the playoffs. You needed one more win, and you couldn't get it. But hey, shout out to the closest team to Lafayette, Louisiana, and the Dallas Stars. They moved on to the second round, taking down the Minnesota Wild four games to two. They now face the Seattle Kraken. Cool story about the Kraken. Only their second year of existence. And they've already knocked out the defending Stanley Cup champions in the playoffs. They took the Avs to seven games, beating them last night. So now your final four matchups are the Golden Knights and the Oilers, Carolina, and we await the winner of the Devils and Rangers. Game seven is tonight. The Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken. The NHL playoffs, I will die on this hill. And I say that a lot. I'm going to die on this hill. The NHL playoffs are the best 
playoffs in sports. And when I say that, I'm counting the world's, the MLB playoffs. I'm counting the NBA playoffs. And I'm counting the NFL playoffs. The NCAA tournament for baseball, the NCAA tournament for basketball, that's in a league of their own. Major sports playoffs. It is the best playoff format on the universe. Because there's always game sevens and overtime drama and just absolutely electrifying hockey. And this year so far has been no different. Here are my picks. Dallas beats the Kraken. Vegas beats the Oilers. Carolina beats whoever comes out of the Devils and Rangers. And then the Maple Leafs exercise some demons and move on to the conference finals of the eastern side of things. So you'll have Carolina, Toronto, and then Vegas and Dallas. That's going to be an incredible Final Four in the world of sports, or in the world of the NHL, should I say. Mexico Open over the weekend on the PGA Tour. I said it in my over par video that look out for John Rahm and Tony Finau because they've had success at this course before. Well, I called it. Tony Finau, minus 24. 24 under par wins the Mexico Open and gets a check of $1.386 million. John Rahm finishes in second place with a score of 21 under and collects $839,000. Next closest name of note, how about LSU native or LSU grad Ben Taylor? 14 under par, tied for eighth. He takes home a check of $232,925. So congrats to Tony Finau. Congrats to me for knowing a thing or two about about the PGA Tour. And now the PGA Tour shifts gears to the Wells Fargo Championship this weekend in Charlotte. The Byron Nelson is next weekend over in McKinney, Texas, before the PGA Championship begins on May the 18th. And also... In NASCAR, rain delay yesterday forced the Worth 400 in Dover to today. They raced at 11 a.m. this morning. Martin Truex Jr. gets his first win in the previous 55 races as he cruises to victory lane at the Monster Mile. Ross Chastain finishes in second. Ryan Blaney third. William Byron fourth. Denny Hamlin fifth. Chase Elliott finishing 11th at the Monster Mile, the track where he won just last year, interestingly enough, in a Monday morning race due to a rain delay. Maybe Mother Nature's just not a fan of NASCAR in Dover, Delaware. We'll take a time out here, 5.30 on your Monday. We'll return with Brett Chancy of Locked On Astros, a.k.a. H-Town Wheelhouse. He's live at the Juice Box for Astros Giants. We'll get his thoughts on the matchup, plus Jose Urquidy heads to the I.L., We'll get that and much more coming up next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
FanDuel is the only sportsbook app where you can bet the Kentucky Derby, and that's happening this Saturday. Right now, all customers can get a no-sweat derby bet up to $20. That means you'll get up to $20 back if your win bet doesn't win. I'm going to take confidence game at 30-1 to 1 odds to win the Kentucky Derby, and with the app, it's safe and secure. You get paid instantly when your bet hits, and they have great promotions every single day. So bet America's number one race this Saturday on America's number one sportsbook. Just ri- just visit racing.fanduel.com slash KLWB for your chance to get a no-sweat derby bet up to $20 this Saturday for the Kentucky Derby. That's racing.fanduel.com slash KLWB. You must be 21 and older and reside in Louisiana permitted parishes only. Offered valid on first derby win wager. Verified Fanduel racing account required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable racing site credit that expires on June 12th, 2023. Restrictions apply. See terms at racing.fandle.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just washed the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 536 on this Monday, Matt Miguez, James Mesh broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios. This is crunch time on the game. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Let's talk some Houston Astros who picked up a pretty fun win last night against the Philadelphia Phillies. They now shift their gears to play the San Francisco Giants tonight, Space City Monday, over at the Juice Box. The Astros 15-13 so far on the season. Brett Chancey, host of Locked On Astros. You know him on 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com as H-Town Wheelhouse. Brett, what's going on, man? How are you? Man, I'm doing good. Um, I can't complain. I'm in here in the Gallagher Club getting full, ready for another Astros victory. Now, looking at the Astros, three of their last five, they did drop two to the Phillies over the weekend. But you're facing a struggling San Francisco Giants team coming in off of three straight losses. They're 11-16 and 16 so far on the season. You know, just kind of walk me through tonight's matchup. What's the expectation? What's the thought process? Well, you know, you, you have Jolks back in the lineup, Dubon's back in the leadoff spot. They did drop Pena out of the two-hole, which I kind of wish they would have left him there. But you're facing Ross Stripling, who, uh, you know, has had not kind words for the Astros, talked in the past about throwing at the Astros' heads after it came out about the uh, whole 2017 scandal. So, you know, the Astros fan base is hoping that we just absolutely shell this guy and send him into retirement early because we are no holds barred down here in Houston. But I think with the lineup tonight, They've been working with Abreu on his swing and his mechanics. He said he had been seeing the ball. So hopefully they find something to fix that, and they moved him back up um, in the top, top, you know, one of the top few spots. If, if they can just put the bat on the ball, attack Stripling early, then I think they can take care of business, and they can walk away with a win in game one against the Giants. Now looking at 
news for the Astros. Jose Urquidy is headed to the 15-day IL as of today. Chaz McCormick still on the 10-day IL. We're waiting to hear news on a potential return for Uncle Mike, Michael Brantley. Uh, what, are, what are you hearing on the injury front for the Astros? So right now, um, we are not here. You know, Michael Brantley's with the team. They are out on the West Coast, and so I think he's going to play out for the team while he's out there, and then when he comes back, you will see corresponding moves. Someone probably like a Bannon or Salazar probably be optioned to AAA to make a spot for him because, you know, you got Jolks who's hitting. you got Dubon on this team. Um, Kinsley may fall victim whenever someone like Altuve comes back. But right now they haven't updated us really more on what you guys have heard on Chaz. The 15-day-IL initiated a bringing up of Brandon Belak. Belak has kind of struggled this year. I'm, I'm surprised they did not grab J.P. France, who was pitcher of the week for PCL this last this last week, and you would think that they would have liked to bring him up um, in this spot, being that he's on fire and been in a starter role all season down there in Sugar Land. So Altuve, we know, is ahead of schedule. Lance, they still, they're not playing coy with us, but we know that Lance is further behind than the others. But I think you see Brantley sooner rather than later. Maybe you see him, um, you see some talk about mid-May, him coming up after he gets a few more starts under his belt in Sugarland and getting more of what they call the A-team back in the lineup every day. You know, looking at the numbers, Mauricio Dubon still leading the team in batting average with 302. He's got 29 base hits so far on the season. But one guy I really want to talk about is Jeremy Pena. Uh, Pena has kind of turned a corner over the last week or so, hitting 241 now, six home runs, 16 RBIs. He's walked five times. He has six stolen bases already on the season. You know, what What are your thoughts about Pena's play over the last, you know, 10 or so days? Oh, I mean, it's, it's definitely picked up. Um, and like I said, that's why I was shocked that he's not in the two-hole tonight because you put him up there in that two-hole and it's something about maybe maybe it's maybe it's mental – I don't think it's physical, but, you know, he has the tools. He, he plays a solid shortstop. He's making his catches, making his throws. And I think when he's hitting, he just seems to have a better all-around game. It, it, it seems to um, get to him in the fielding department when he's struggling at the plate. So you definitely need him firing on all cylinders. Um, he definitely has a business-first mentality. He's always working to fine-tune his craft. But I would like to see Dusty have him in that two-hole more times than not. But they said when Brantley comes back, that is his two-hole. So let him have it while he can. And it's just a welcome sign because Abreu has started out very weakly this year. Um, We need Pena to be going, not just hitting home runs, but look, he's on pace to hit 36 home runs right now. So I like where he's at. Another guy that just consistently steps up and delivers is Jordan Alvarez. I mean, 27 RBIs already on the year. You know, the the thing came out about his home run against the Phillies, and for a month he watched it every night before bed. Uh, I mean, what what more can you say about Jordan Alvarez? Well, it's just that you you have a player that goes out and plays the game and absolutely appreciates and has this attitude of gratitude, not to be cliche, <laughs> right. to where to where he literally 
is so thankful to be out there. And, and he takes every game seriously. He wants to compete. He wants to contribute. And you love to hear that because we put these players on pedestals and we and we basically almost turn them into gods. And we forget that they're they're normal people like you and me. And mm-hmm. when someone like you or Don can appreciate something like that, as simple as watching something over and over, that shows how much he loves the game and how proud he is of that moment because he knows ultimately it's what clinched the World mm-hmm. Series for his team. Yeah, absolutely. Brett Chancy, host of Locked On Astros, joining us here on Crunch Time. You know, looking at the San Francisco Giants, I talked about how they, they've struggled a little bit to open the season, but they're they're not a they're not a terrible team. Uh, what, what have you seen out of the Giants so far? Twenty seven games through the season. Well, you know the Giants can hit. Um, they they were in a slugfest. I believe the last game with the Padres, with Padres just basically out homered them. Um, they got you know guys like Crawford and Yastrzemski. They've got some players on that on that side of the ball. Heck, they got Mitch Haniger. Mitch Haniger is a thorn in the Astros' side when he was with the with the Mariners. And when I was watching highlights from their last couple games, I was like, oh, that's right, I forgot that guy's still playing. <laughs> so hopefully the Astros can neutralize someone like Mitch Haniger. Look, they can they can jump on you quick. They can hit the long ball. They've got some good players, and so. Even though they're 11 and 16, they're not a terrible 11 and 16. They're also in a really tough West division. And look, out West, the Diamondbacks are outpacing everybody right now. You know, them and the Pirates, you got some surprises. So the Giants will probably be closer to the top when it gets to the end of the season. So I expect them to come out and put up a competitive um, fight against the Astros. I just think, I think the Astros stand. To win game one, game two will be the toughest, and then I think I, I think they take one and three and ultimately win the series before um, hitting the road. So, Brett, you know, it's really funny that you brought up Mitch Haniger. Uh, a couple years ago, I went to two games of a weekend series between the Astros and the Mariners, and the Astros lost both games that I went to, which is why I haven't been back to Minute Maid Park since. Um, but in each game, Mitch Haniger hit a home run. Yeah, no, that's what he does. You know, him, if your last name is Seeger and you played for the Mariners, they're just certain guys that whenever they come to play a ball club, they just prepare differently. There's a different attack. And so you just hope that Mitch Haniger is not off his is not on his game and you hope that tonight Luis Garcia can keep him off balance. That's the key. Luis Garcia keeps the hitters off balance, keeps them guessing where he's putting the pitches hits that strike zone, and if he can log a, like six or seven strikeouts in his first four innings, then I think the Astros can follow that with some good offense. I like Corey Jolks being back in there, like I said, Dubon. And Abreu, man, look, Abreu last night got the scoring started, but he grinded into a double play. He left five men on base. We've got to figure out how to get Abreu going because there's a lot of people that are having buyer's mm-hmm. remorse and think the Astros got snowed on this. I think it's too early to tell. It is April. We're now in May. Well, let's turn over New Leaf. Abreu get hot. Let's just march on to October. After this three-game home series, the Astros will go on a nine-game road trip where they'll play six games against divisional opponents, uh, Seattle and the Angels. We call the Angels around here the, the little MVPs because they have, they have two generational MVP talents, and yet they can never win anything. Yeah, you know, but you know, this year they—I mean, I mean, even when they hit home runs, I saw a game the other day where 
I believe Trout hit two home runs. Otani had one, and they still lost. So, it, it, again, it is their pitching that is a problem. But the Mariners have started playing better as late. Um, the Angels, you know, I think the AOS is a little tighter than what we all anticipated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Rangers won the April World Series. Congrats to them. Um, but let's just see if they can hold on to that because it's not about how you start. It's really about how you finish. Yeah, the, the Astros are fo- focused on the World Series in October, right? That's exactly correct. I mean, and look, I'm not discrediting anything because right now the Rangers deserve credit. They are absolutely hitting the cover off the ball. They're crushing the Yankees. They're, they're doing things that we knew that their offense would probably be capable of. It's just their pitching. That's the big question. The Angels, it's the pitching. The Mariners, it's, you know, Robbie Ray's gone for the season. I mean, so there's all these question marks. The Astros, AOS has a lot of pitching injuries. And so it'll be interesting to see who kind of comes out of this scrum, you know, when it gets closer to midseason. 7-10 first pitch tonight. Astro launch beginning at 640 with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. You can hear it all right here on the game. Brett Chancey joining us, host of Locked On Astros. Here on the game hotline, Brett, appreciate your time as always. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you to everyone in Louisiana. Go Astros, and that's G-E-A-U-X. Go. There you go. go. There you go, Brett. Appreciate you, my man. And there he goes, Brett Chancy, host of Locked on Astros. Good old G-E-A-U-X over in H-Town. Correct me if I'm wrong. James, where would you rank the Space City jersey in terms of some of the City Connect looks that you have seen? Would would you say it's a top five jersey? I could put in the top five. I'd have to look back at all the jerseys, but off top, I mean, they were pretty good. The the pants are the only issue that I have. the The number being on the hip just looks so little leagueish. That that just looks like a. You team. think it looks little league? I look. I think it looks very little league. Interesting. Having no number on, on the front of the jersey, and then just putting the number like on the thigh. Oh, dude, that's bad. That's bad. But that's my only knock on the jersey, like the the grid lines to make it look like NASA on the sleeves, and the the halo around the. It's great, but if you would have just left the number off the pants. It would have been an A1 jersey. But it's still better than that piece of crap the Texas Rangers unveiled last week. That thing is horrible. But anyways, we'll take a time out, wrap up today's show here on Crunch Time right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app and it is your one-stop shop for all things 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Download the free mobile app today for your Apple or Android device by searching the game Southwest Louisiana. And no matter where you are, you can listen to the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Wrapping up today's show looking at baseball. 
a doubleheader taking place right now between the Braves and the Mets. First game, Braves win 9-8. They're down 4-3 to the Mets in the top of the eighth of game number two. Earlier today, Ronald Acuna Jr. was hit by a pitch square in the back of the shoulder. And from my vantage point, it looked like he may have popped his shoulder out of socket. Because immediately after it was hit, his arm just kind of hung there. And he really couldn't move it. Um, he, he was later taken out of the game and tended to. Speaking of players getting tended to yesterday, the Alabama catcher for the LSU-Alabama game took a foul ball to the throat. Or a low ball to the throat. Popped up and hit him in the throat. Um, he had to leave the game after being carried off the field because he was struggling to walk. Um, he was sent to a hospital, and, and tests were ran. It appears that he is going to be okay. Um, you, you have seen th- this has happened before, and they say that the reason that he passed out on the field was because when you get hit in the throat like that, your throat swells so much that your airwaves start to close. So he obviously struggled to breathe, passed out, you know, so, so on and so forth. But it appears that he is going to be okay. So very scary scene yesterday. Glad it's going to work out well for the young man for the Crimson Tide. Again, tonight, NBA playoffs, Sixers-Celtics at 6.30. Suns-Nuggets game two at 9 o'clock. Nuggets up one game to none on the Suns. James, do the Celtics, not the Celtics, the Suns tie the series. No. I was hoping you were going to say that because otherwise your silence was... Wow. Did you see the effort that DeAndre Ayton had in game oh, one? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was that oh, was yeah. rough to watch. Oh, yeah. Stephen Curry continues to prove that he's that dude. Game seven. He'll always be that dude. They need a win. He drops 56. Like... Like, it was nothing. It was absolutely incredible to see. Poor Sacramento Kings. Try again next year. I want to thank our guest, Zach Nagy of LSU Country, as well as Brett Chancey, host of Locked on Astros, for joining us today. Come back tomorrow. Mike Triplett of NewOrleans.Football. He'll join us to talk about the Saints draft and where the team can go from here. From J- For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Give a hug to your mom and them, and we're back tomorrow, 4 to 6, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Astro launch begins in 40 minutes, right here on the game.